Texas talking oh. What was that that you said Texas talking oh. Gonna hoop upside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust When Texas guys Hi, this is John Legend. You're listening to the Tribcast. I'm Politico's Mike Gallon. This is State Senator Connie Burton. This is Austin Police Chief Art Acevedo. Hey, it's Kyle Rizdahl, the host of Marketplace. It's your favorite state representative, Jonathan Stickland. Hello, I'm Clara Jeffrey, Editor-in-Chief of Mother Jones. This is State Representative Jim Keffer. Hi, I'm Morgan Fairchild, and I am a huge fan of the Texas Tribune. I'm David Brown, host of Public Radio's Texas Standard. This is State Representative James White. This is Patsy Spall, Secretary of the Texas Senate. This is Rob Johnson with Governor Perry's recently suspended presidential campaign. This is Erica Greeter. This is Shelley Smith, Evan's mother. Hey folks, Kinky Friedman welcoming you to the Tribcast. And now, and now, and now, and now here's your host. Here's your host, Emily, Emily, Emily Ramshaw. Welcome to the Tribcast. This is Emily Ramshaw here with your final Tribcast for 2015. We're treating this as a year in review episode, a chance to spare you from your families for half an hour and catch you up on the most preposterous Tribcast moments of 2015. Let's jump back in time to March in the heat of the legislative session, when one morning we woke to find that State Representative Jonathan Stickland had a, quote, former fetus sign taped to his office door. Yeah, well, we have some some breaking news this morning. Um, the uh, the controversy. That's a nice way to classify it. <laughs> it is on our website. The controversy of the day at the Capitol is um, courtesy of Representative Stickland. Um, he Every said that, controversy um, <laughs> these days at the Capitol is courtesy. There, there was a group yesterday that distributed some signs to some uh, state representatives that uh, identified them as former fetuses, and some of them put them up outside their office uh, either yesterday or this morning. And um, Representative Stickland um, this morning accused Representative Guerin of uh, tearing down the signs, not only tearing them down, but throwing them in his staffers' uh, faces and intimidating them by doing so. Uh, Representative Guerin says that uh, he was just enforcing the uh, the rules from the State Preservation Board. and Stickland should stop acting like a child. He literally said, stop acting like a child. <laughs> He's the chairman of the administration committee and sort of feels... Um, Charlie dominion, Guerin, dim- Republican of Fort Worth. He has a mandate. Right, yeah. feels, feels dominion over these things, right? Uh, it, I want to know about the legislators who are not former that's fetuses. That's me too. Yeah, that's, that's kind <laughs> of Why did all of them get signed? <laughs> there are <laughs> still plenty of angles to explore here. <laughs> I, know. Yeah, the fo- I know what the follow-up is going to be. <laughs> right. Representative so-and-so, hatched, never a fetus. Right, hatched <laughs> in you know, 1979. Yes. By April, the legislative debate had shifted to one over Governor Greg Abbott's pre-kindergarten plan, which some of Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick's advisors had called, quote, godless. Take a listen. Uh, All right. So this week, we see that Dan Patrick's advisory board has sent out a letter calling the legislature's pre-K plan uh, godless, among other things. Socialist, godless. There was a whole line. Uh, Jay, tell us a little bit about this letter and about what's up here. Well, it's not the legislature's pre-K plan. It's Greg Abbott's pre-K plan. Okay. It's Greg Abbott's endorsed pre-K plan that has been filed by members of the legislature. I, I, I think attacking the legislature, that's, you know, nothing to see here. Keep walking. But Patrick attacking Abbott or Patrick's right. people it's, attacking right. Abbott's plan, to be that's, clear, it's that's not more Patrick news. Well, the, you know, well, this, is it or isn't it? Let Jay, I'm well, wondering this what Patrick Jay versus Abbott narrative, or maybe it's a Patrick and Abbott narrative. I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, we, we obviously had a lot of tension between, and, and we have tension now between Patrick and Strauss, and we had tension between Dewhurst and Strauss, and we had tension between Dewhurst and Tom Craddock when Tom Craddock was a speaker. But this idea of a governor, 
you know, I don't remember a Dewhurst versus Perry sort of narrative. I mean, they really didn't do that out in the open. This is sort of this is really spilling out in the open now. We've got two very ambitious Republicans at the top of the ticket, at the top of, of power here. And they're they're sort of subtly taking jabs at each other. Um, okay, and, but and does Patrick believe this? I mean, does Patrick believe that pre-K is godless? Well, we got we got two. We we don't really know. He hasn't said so much what he thinks about the contents of the letter. All he, all he said was that I didn't, I didn't know about didn't it, know about and it. you know didn't approve of it or not approve of it or whatever. He didn't really. You say know what? what it's your thought. grassroots yeah. advice. Yeah. I mean, you give these guys. You, you you get your posse together. You give them badges. You put them on horses, and you're responsible for what they do for when the, they get uh, out the, in the hills. Their right. version of law enforcement this is, is a, your law enforcement. But is this right. a is, is this a good thing for Patrick or a bad thing? I, for Patrick? I think he wanted to yes. wrap himself. He wanted. To <laughs> Yes. Wrap himself <laughs> in, in both. He yeah. wanted to wrap himself in the warm embrace of Joanne Fleming and Julia McCarty. These are the and, Tea Party the folks tea party who signed off on this letter. Who, who are among those on his board because he doesn't want anybody to get to the right of him on any issue or in a future election. So he assembles this advisory board. And really, people thought it was the business advisory board that was going to well, go. Well, there are a couple. Go hinky there, on them. Give them time. Yeah, there are, right? and there are a couple of these different boards. But, this one is on sort of the grassroots. But you the, know, the point issues. of this is, if, as Ross says, if you enable these folks to have a seat at the table, they're going to sit in it, right? And that's what they've done. And you know, the tension between Abbott and Patrick, which you indicate, has been sort of rumored. It's kind of like between the Austin Club and Starbucks at 10th and Congress. It's like that. It's talk on that yeah. one block is kind of out in the open. I was interested to hear you say there was no tension between Dewhurst and Perry. Well, the reason there was no tension between Dewhurst and Perry, I will say respectfully, is because we were living in an era of a weak lieutenant governor state. Well, a strong governor, yeah. Dewhurst was not Patrick and Perry was not Abbott. Well, that's true. The, the, the relationship that, was much more defined is, by the principles, right. I think. This is all new and I think that there's a, a pretty decent chance of some high drama at the end of the session because Thank of goodness. this. I mean, it, it, the seeds are being planted right now. It, it really could all kind of blow what, whatever up. Whatever it is, it ain't a kumbaya session. Fight promoter instincts are coming out. Yes, my fight promoter instincts say, you know, that that this is a, a good move for Dan Patrick among his base, you know, potentially setting himself up for some kind of gubernatorial bid, you know, really mobilizing the people who, I mean, he didn't exactly come out and apologize for this. He didn't come out and say, I right. disagree. He didn't slap anybody's hands over it. Right. You know, and, and he created this panel. He knew what he was doing, putting them there. Did you see, by the way, Eric Burse's tweet yesterday? Oh my gosh, yes. Eric no, Burse's tweet what? was, based on the number of misspellings in the grassroots advisory <laughs> they boards, could have used release, a little pre-K. they could have used a little pre-K. <laughs> yeah. That's nice. Um, the real drama in the Capitol this session was over a bunch of, you might call them spies, guys with hidden cameras milling around Austin trying to catch lawmakers doing untoward things. So the first thing is this American Phoenix Project, which is a group of people with mostly conservative ties who are who say they're actually looking at everybody in the House, everybody in the Senate, Republican and Democrat, trying to find what Jim Malowitz would call untoward behavior and um, <laughs> and filming it secretly, which is allowed and legal uh, if you have a lapel, you know, camera or whatever. And it's got the Capitol sort of buzzing like a high school. And so that's thing one. Thing two is somebody is calling um, legislative offices, identifying themselves or identifying himself, I should say, as John Jacob, a reporter for the Texas Tribune. Well, we who, only know of one office, correct? Well, who wants to do um, 
call who wants to do a feature story on the behavior of reps at home and in the their capital. personal lives. Uh, so, but but why weird. would you leave if you were leaving a message saying "Call me back, I'm a Tribune reporter"? Why would you leave a non this person left a non working number. phone number and a Yahoo address and a Yahoo address? Which right. could it just be a joke? It's like a Simpsons episode. Oh, right. it's hilarious! I guess yeah. it could be a joke. Hilarious! I mean, you know the you know they called and said, "Hey, is this one of your reporters?" And I said. Uh, not that I know of. And then he <laughs> called me to make sure. Called, called Emily and said, hey, Have we you don't hired have... anyone named John Jacob lately? Because it's entirely possible that Emily, <laughs> who is often on a hiring spree, <laughs> who's, who's, who's untethered. That, who was that one intern I can't remember the name of? <laughs> right. right. Uh, well, they, these folks also say that they have turned over these, you know, 800 hours of footage to the conservative news site Breitbart, Texas. Right. Um, and Breitbart has confirmed that they have it in hand and, you know, that their lawyers are looking at it. But, and, you know, and they promise not to use it for three weeks. Yeah, which, they promise not to use it till the end of the session. Which let's seems, not disrupt the relative <laughs> harmony of the last three weeks of a session. Which seems right. to me a little like blackmail to the members of the legislature basically saying, hmm, you know, you vote the, vote the way you ought to vote, you it's, conservative members of the legislature, or else. It's an odd way to behave if you're a journalist or pretending to be one. Well, right. so, so this is, of course, you alluded to the people on the receiving end of this secret taping, you know. We don't know who was taped. And, well, we know uh, you know, we some know people that it who was, say they were taped. Well, we don't know who was taped overall. You know, it's apparently horn dogs, right? It's apparently people who are getting it on <laughs> outside of the bounds of their marital relationship. Oh, wow, you really are And seven. now semantics with Evan Smith. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> isn't that it? I mean, what are we talking about here? You know, uh, what some, are we talking about? You know, yeah. Somebody didn't <laughs> yes, leave an adequate tip at how do you roll. That's not really good video. We're talking about... You know, there's people who are alleged to have done things. Did you? Did you? Did you? Yeah, it's kind but, of. But but so so but one of the little takeaways of of the news of this week that has the Capitol uh, buzzing to Ross's point uh, was the revelation that the, spe- the lieutenant governor's chief of staff Logan Spence had been notified by the DPS right that this taping had been going on, but that Mr. Spence did not alert members of the Senate. To this fact, because he understood, he said that, that no, no senators, senators had targeted. been taped, a, a a fact that has yet to be proven, and in fact will only be proven when the in the fullness of time, somewhere in right. the eight hundred hours or in whatever happens afterward. Uh, some of the senators were sort of you know uh, making noises about you know we wish he'd had let us know. Um, so that if somebody with a fake baby with a camera <laughs> embedded that, in the its baby was fake, real. yeah. So one had, of the one oh, of the, the baby people was Mar- real. I thought the, that the, I thought that they had the baby was a fake baby. Okay. There was a line like that, that, but it proved to be a real baby. There was so a this real baby Joe and a Basil real baby Bjorn, but there was with, a fake camera or a real camera. I don't even know. Joe Basil is one of the people involved with American Phoenix, and his wife were at the Capitol with a baby. And the thing going around on Twitter was, "It's a fake baby. It has a." camera hidden in its cap. It's a real baby with a camera hidden in its cap. <laughs> right. No, it's just a baby. I, you know, it's hard to, <laughs> right. hard is it to tell. Is it baby or is it like it is. in Goodfellas when the nanny takes the baby <laughs> to Goodfellas smuggle drugs? Goodfellas came up on Twitter. That's it's hilarious. Joe, well, I wondered about that. It's uh, Basil's baby with the woman The who, baby Basil. Yes, the, with the woman who pretended to be the prostitute in the um, acorn video. Right, the James O'Keefe acorn video. I swear to God, this has to all be true because you could not make this up as fiction and have it be believable. By the summer, the legislative session was complete and the conversation had turned to Jade Helm, a military operation that had a bunch of folks hanging fast to their tinfoil hats. 
All right, well, uh, let's start with the spooky, scary uh, Jade Helm uh, story this morning, given that Root is uh, wearing an appropriate headgear. So we've got the Jade Helm military exercises upon us. What exactly is going on out there, for starters? Well, Jade Helm starts today, and um, specifically in Texas, it's taking place in, in 12 counties and at, at two camps. Um, you know, again, this is a, a military training exercise. It has been branded as, as routine in terms of what is actually happening and the kind of training that's going on, but the, the military has admitted that it is unusual for its size and scope. Uh, as some of our listeners may know, it's not just happening in Texas. It's happening across seven southwestern states, and it's going to be happening uh, over the next eight weeks. And so there is kind of an, an unusual element to it, in, again, in how long it's going on and how, mu- how much space it's, it's really taken up. Have they said what they're training them for other than how to deal with rednecks? Yeah. <laughs> They've been a, a little vague about what exactly they're training them for, just kind of, I guess, real-life situations. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, not a lot of detail on that front. I think I we guess. can all agree there's <laughs> nothing routine about this exercise. <laughs> you know, here's the thing that I was I, I was talking to Ross about this. Don't you think they would have hit the Costco's instead of Walmart? I mean, this is Obama. The Obama, this is, you know, Democrats, right? So <laughs> don't Democrats shop at, at, at Costco? The, I mean, yeah, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean... Well, so what did Abbott uh, originally do during the legislative session when the Jade Helm sort of drama first blew up, and what's he doing now? Sure. Well, he kind of gave the whole uh, sensation a life of its own back in April when he issued a, a kind of directive to the Texas State Guard and, and told them to keep an eye or monitor, I guess, this operation as it gets underway to ensure that Texans, uh, I guess, safety, civil rights, privacy rights weren't being uh, violated. And that came shortly after a meeting in, in Bastrop where it seems like people were just um, in a frenzy over this this whole operation, and there was an, a military spokesman there who was peppered with questions, and it just seemed like it all came to a head in that 24-hour period. Well, there, there was the, the poll that we had, too. Ross, mm-hmm. you're more familiar with the, the bottom line number. Was it like 40 percent are worried about this? Is yeah, what, they, what's the, what's you know, the, the people that, you know, the, the two things that stood out were the there was a large number of people who didn't know anything about this. But the people who did know something about it were really, really concerned about it. And in particular, the, you know, the... They hit a harmonic with the Tea Party Republicans. Um, 85% of them thought it was a thing and thought the governor's response to it was appropriate and necessary. And, you know, he clearly played the right note for that audience. And, and, and the rest of the audience didn't notice it. So in political terms, this was a complete winner for Abbott. Weird as it looked to everybody who, who right. wasn't. He knew what he was that. talking about. Yeah. Right. And so is he, I mean, what has he said in advance of this week? I mean, has he, you know, obviously he got some blowback, a lot of sort of blowback in the press after that that first statement what's he doing now or is he quiet on it I mean, he hasn't been pretty outspoken. He has not been vocal about it in the lead up to it. Um, based on some other reports, it sounds like they're basically the governor's office, at least, is going to be monitoring it from from Austin. There's not going to be much of a kind of like on-site presence, and they're just going to be collecting information, making sure that constituents who have questions are, are, are I guess, getting them answered here in Austin. Um, you and know. They, they started, they, <laughs> they, they really backed away from it almost immediately after the letter came out, and then it was like... They, they were sort of upset at the way uh, this story was portrayed, and, and they stressed and accurately that they're not monitoring this exercise in the sense that a lot of people kind of assumed, where you would think, oh, well, we have our own units that are out with, with uh, binoculars looking at people. They're just simply keeping up with it from an information perspective. But 
the fact that this letter sort of gave rise or, or, or was seen as giving legitimacy to the conspiracy theories, I think. It, it was it, early enough in his first couple of weeks as governor that I think they were also probably discovering that the microphone was louder than it was for the attorney general. Right. Mm-hmm. That, you know, you could put a letter like this out if you were the attorney general and hardly anybody writes about you. If you do it when you're the governor, right. kaboom. Yeah. By fall, there was another rager of a debate going on, this one over the implementation of legislation allowing college students to carry guns on campus. There was, well, stiff opposition, and protesters took a particularly phallic approach. Yeah, all right, so, Ross. Can we talk about the dildos Yeah, first? that's, it's all that's like, <laughs> <laughs> That was my Apparently. transition. Lauren McGoy's story Best story yeah, it's published in a Texas newspaper ever. <laughs> Never better. You heard it here first. It's it, You know, this is great political theater. They lost the fight over well, wait, campus carry. Hold, on, hold yeah. on a second. They lost the fight over campus carry. And okay. so a bunch of students at UT decided, well, we've lost this fight. This is going to start around the beginning of the next school year, August 1st of 2016. So let's organize a protest. What should our protest be? Let's carry dildos on our backpacks. Um which you guys compensate with your guns. Hysterical. We'll compensate with our dildos, and then we'll, we'll go from there. And and they they're basically making fun of the winners, and the winners are responding just the way that the people making fun of them would love. For well, them there's to there's respond. a precedent for this. Completely outraged. There's about a precedent it. for this because this is if, the pants if you thing? remember during the legislative session when there was discussion of open carry, there was a moment when people started to carry in protest bananas in holsters as right. opposed right. to dildos on backpacks. So I guess we've upped the ante. I mean. It is a really hysterical move. Well, they kind of went into this, you know, the... It's the, so juvenile, which is perfect because these are college it's students. A college. It's got the greatest it's a right. college. That's what colleges are, you know, this right. is delicious college stuff. This is just fantastic. Um, they went into this partly because Ross the... Ross Ramsey and his delicious dildos. That's exactly it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Evan Smith I, went there. I, I didn't start it. You started it. No, I didn't. Speaking of juveniles... Um, <laughs> hello. Hello. <laughs> They, you know, one of the things that was sort of interesting about this was that they were, you know, when you pick dildos for this, you pick something that's in the obscenity statute for the state. So you open the possibility that the guns are legal and the protest is not. The university has said basically, you know, this is free speech, it's political speech, we're going to allow it. And in fact, the statute allows that. But there was a moment when everybody so thought the policy aspect to this. Yeah, I there is. We were, was, there was a <laughs> I moment. I just thought it was hilarious. There was I didn't a moment know there was when they something serious. There was a moment when they thought the play was going to be guns are allowed, but dildos aren't. So, the, right. so these protesters actually expected to be hauled off. Well, yeah, they actually in their in their on their Facebook page they say, you know, look, there's this statute. You could be committing a class C misdemeanor, and if the university wanted to go that way, they could go that way. I think it's the law is pretty clear. There's a cutout for, you know. Artistic license and the thing is, um, the university doesn't really want guns on campus. I mean, the university's you know hand was forced here, and so they are probably looking at this and sort of quietly saying, you know, go get them. This is hysterical. Well, it's funny. These guys have gotten more attention with this protest than the people who were against the campus carry legislation ever got. They never they never drew this kind of attention. I mean, they drew some attention. It was a news story, but but you know, look what a dildo will do for you. While we're on that topic, we'd be remiss if we didn't revisit our recent travels with Ted Cruz on the presidential trail. As recently as this month, the talk turned awkwardly to condoms. So how did 
the Ted Cruz conversation this week even turned to contraception. Are you the reporter who asked him about rubbers? Yeah, how did I was this not. even come um, up? It was actually a very crowded event. There were more than 300 people there at the town hall Monday night in Bettendorf, Iowa, which is in the Quad Cities. And... Um, the condom capital of Iowa. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of a lot of curiosity in that region. Um, uh, but he, he was asked. By, nice. He was, Ross just did a Danny Thomas spit take. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. Keep going, Patrick. Sorry. He, he was asked by someone, and I'm paraphrasing here, about um, as president what he would do about the availability of contraception to women who want it. And in his response, like he has done before, he kind of railed against the idea of a war on women. He said it was concocted by Democrats during the. 2012 election cycle specifically and um the you know he went on for about five minutes and eventually you know he got very animated and uh just kind of in what seemed to be a fit of genuine <laughs> frustration um you know said you know i've never met a conservative who wants to ban condoms or whatever and then he said you know uh, last time i checked uh you know uh, we don't have a rubber shortage. <laughs> we don't have a rubber shortage in this country. And then don't he, worry if you're too nice to say to, it. She's I was not. actually trying to remember it verbatim. More than I've, I've heard this so it. much recently, I can't <laughs> believe I forgot it. Um, but then he pivoted to, I guess, some reference to his college years where he yeah, said in the, in the bathroom in college. 50 cents at Princeton. Yeah. 50 cents in uh, I think the exact quote Princeton. is, you put 50 cents in the machine and voila, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is something they only say at And Princeton. I mean, the room was just uh, filled with just kind of awkward, nervous laughter throughout this whole uh, this whole thing. Um, it was it was quite an experience. I mean, it was an otherwise pretty boring town hall. He didn't get any, any new questions uh, or say anything. That sounds pretty new. lively to <laughs> yeah, me. Exactly. So, so sub substantively, is he right that there are not Republican candidates for president that, that cycle or this cycle who want to ban contraception? Well, I mean, Democrats obviously say that, you know, people like Ted Cruz and other Republican members of Congress and candidates, you know, across the country have supported policies that would lead to that or that, you know, Who was the candidate who was accused? Was it Santorum who was accused in the last cycle? And it was his uh, financial backer, Foster Fries, who mm -hmm. said something to the effect of putting a bare aspirin between your knees? Yeah, right? Wasn't yeah. Some... Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and there's been the whole, you know, fight over uh, Hobby Lobby and whether companies have to provide contraception, you know, coverage of contraception. I mean, this left the whole sort of birth control pill argument out of it with this idea that rubbers are the, um, you know, condoms are the easiest solution here. Well, as far as 2015 is concerned, I think I've got you covered. And for the first three months of 2016, the ball will be in executive editor Ross Ramsey's court. I'll be out on maternity leave, and he'll be keeping the host chair warm. Thanks, as always, to Shiny Ribs for doing our music, and to our tireless producer, Todd, and to you for listening. We'll see you next year. Texas talking. Texas talking. I may, uh, I may wish uh, the Trib a real, genuine, heartfelt sixth happy birthday from the Kingster. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. <clears throat> happy birthday, Texas Tribune. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <clears throat> happy birthday to you. Thank you very much.